Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, I'm Morris O'Keefe, and you're very welcome to this week's podcast. Ambushing the Black and Tans in Kerry. This is a story about two major ambushes that took place during the War of Independence in Kerry. The Ballymacandy ambush near Castlemaine on the 1st of June 1921. They opened fire on them. On the 1st, we most of them out of action. And the Lisbon ambush that took place on the 21st of March 1921. And he, he planted the loose gun there in the field and he started blazing at the school. So, exactly 100 years ago, this year, we are going to relive the story of these two ambushes told by Dan Keating and John Scannell. So these are two first-hand accounts of the build-up, the ambush and its aftermath. So let's get started. Dan Keating was a lifelong Irish Republican. He was born in 1902 near Castlemaine. And at the age of 18, he joined the IRA. His first-hand account of Ballymacandy ambush was fascinating because Dan brought me to the location where the ambush took place, just outside Castlemaine. But that's later. But the story starts when Dan first joined the IRA and bought his rifle. This happened in a pub in Tralee called Jerry McSweeney's, and that's where he used to work as a young lad, when an English soldier came in and Dan bought his rifle from him. Yeah, I bought a rifle for, for a pound. A soldier, he, he was, he had a friend, Tim Quinlan from Ballard, and he was, he was a great ballad singer. And this soldier, anyway, got in touch with him somewhere, and the two of them, we used to have a drink, and there was something came down. He, he, he said, if, if whatever it was about, guns, you know. And I thought, well, he said, I'd give a set of rifle to anyone for a pound. I took him up in the spot. Then you joined up, you joined the IRA then. Oh, I did, yeah. And who, who was your commander? John Joshua was the commander in Borby at the time. And you had Matty Maroney, Uncle Connor, Jerry Miles. Boy, we was very national that day. And what was your first assignment, Dan? And my first engagement was in Tralee in November night. The siege of Tralee was an event that took place between the 1st to the 9th of November 1920. 
the British temporary constables, known as the Black and Tans, imposed a curfew on the town. And this was in an attempt to recover the bodies that the IRA had shot and killed. They, they were attacked everywhere all over the town that night and there were some casualties inflicted on them, you know. I was in some very only skirmishes, you know, until Castlemaine. I was in Castlemaine. Castlemaine was the most successful ambush in Kerry. Every, every, they captured all the arms and all, all the ammunition and the bicycles. <laughs> they took the bicycles as well. <laughs> and there was seven of them killed. A couple more wounded and a couple escaped. And uh, there was some of them wounded anyway. Uh, the, the local w women anyway came up uh, they dressed him up and they made him most comfortable and gave him tea there wasn't the house burden in Castlemaine yeah. is that right? No, they, hmm. the, 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 the men that escaped they said that they, that they were treated with, with great respect and courtesy by the people and they, there was no not a house burden it was remarkable in June 2004, Dan Keating brought me to Farmer's Bridge and we stood outside a derelict cottage now, but it was an IRA safe house. And that's where Dan and his IRA comrades used to meet to plan an attack on the British forces. Now we're up at Farmer's Bridge and we have reached a, a derelict cottage here, Dan, which was Johnny O'Connor's. O'Connor's. Was this a great meeting place at the time? Oh, always. There was always a flow of people uh, at all time meetings here. Uh, at our, it was a great, uh, great meeting house. Everyone was welcomed by the O'Connor's always. And... Uh, at, at an early stage, he was involved with IRA. He, he was very young when he joined the flying column, uh, and he went. To, he was first attached to Paddy Cal's column back in West Kerry, but they were very inactive, and he was he was always a man of action. And he changed over, and he joined the Kerry to, number two. Uh, Brigade, and he was in every engagement right up to the end of the Civil War. Uh, he was a noted machine gunner and, and um, reckoned to be one of the best in the business. Dan recalls again that November night when they went to Tralee and executed the blackened hands and then secretly buried the bodies. We were involved in November night. It was to be a big night. Everyone, all the different companies were summoned. They occupied Tralee. At the time, the Black and Tans, they used to go to Tralee at night and make a lot of noise and hound people when they met them. And it was a sight to meet them one night. And actually, on that particular night that we were expecting big things to happen, there was only two of them captured, actually by the Strand Road Company. They weren't seen again. Uh, there was another man who was a nuisance and, and he was caused a widow 
who lived down near Skane, uh, a, a, a lot of worry, and it was decided that they'd meet him too, and they met him. They killed him, and he's buried in the mountain. Really? Yes. yes. You were deeply involved now in the IRA. Oh, yeah. And um, you were a short time after, when I was in McSweeney's, there was a policeman, uh, a, a, a local, a black and tan, who was involved. And he, he always went in to Nighty's public house only every night, and there's no doubt that he was trying to collect information anyway. And they decided he'd have to be shot. And uh, he was duly killed, anything by a section of the IRA, actually. There was a Rock Street unit that killed him. And uh, the finger immediately turned to the people that were living in Derry. And uh, it came to the point that there was no option. We had just had to go for, for our own safety. Anyway, we left. The, uh, I left, and um, Tommy O'Connor, who lived a couple of doors from where I was, he was better known as Tommy Nuts Connor. It was uh, more or less believed that we put the finger on this place. I suppose we did, you know. But uh, anyway, I... Uh, just had to go, get out in the country and go on their own. I was in that way for, for a number of years, right up to the end of the war with the Black and Tans. And Dan recalls the shooting of Sonny McCarty, an IRA man, by two Black and Tans. Uh, there was two now that used to go together. One of them was Big Paddy and the Jewman. That's the way they were known. The, uh, Big Paddy, his name was Paddy... Well, it was Paddy Cullen. And uh, they used to always go together. And there was a prisoner being transferred from the Ballykin barracks into Lee to Ballymullen barracks, where he was going to be interrogated. But on the way, anyway, they went through the green, which was the way to, at the time, and on the way to, up to, to to where the black and tan, or where the auxiliaries were, they killed him on the road, right before the, beside there's a monument now erected to him, where he was killed just near the old county hall. His name was McCarty, from Lixnaz, Sonny McCarty. Head Constable Benson. And reprisals was the order of the day. This man... Benson lived with his wife in Pembroke Street and he was known to go at certain times from the barrack to his residence in Pembroke Street and as he went along one day anyway it was decided he'd be killed and there was a unit waiting for him at the time and they killed him on the way. Afterwards, his widow married the man that was known to us as the Jewman. That's the only name we ever knew him for. 
leaving Tralee and travelling over the Schlievmisch Mountains to Castlemaine, and just on the outskirts of the village, on the Milltown Kilorglan Road, is a place known as Ballymacandy. And on the 1st of June 1921, one of the most bloodiest ambushes in the county of Kerry took place. We have reached the site of the famous Castlemaine ambush, where the whole uh, RIC unit was wiped out. It started from here. There was three men based in that house. The house across the road? Yeah, Flynn's house. Three riflemen to ensure that there was no backup. And that's where you were based? Yes, to ensure that there was no one following up the black and tans. Yes. If there was, you know, they could just cause trouble. And I mean, three riflemen, you had a clear view. You happened to know there's some buildings, but you had a clear view from that house there of the River Main Bridge at the time. There was no building, all of them were new buildings. There was a station house there, all right, just Main Railway Station, which continued from here back. We can walk it back now. We will, of course. Right, and we're walking back the road towards Kelowna yeah. now. Yeah. 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 All our men at this side of the road, only one side of the road. All the way back? Yeah. Uh, at the outside, when they assembled first, there was only three rifles, but there must have been 25 to 30 shotguns. But in the course of an hour, there was a column of Ireland based back in the hut in Keel. In the meantime, ten of the column who were based in the place known as the hut in Keel arrived. And they included Paddy Paul, Strand Street, Jim Keane, Michael O'Leary, Nap Daly, Uncle Jerry O'Connor, Donica Dunham, Big Dan Sullivan, and, uh, and one or two others I just can't remember now. Which meant that they had great firepower then. <laughs> At three o'clock, their scout, Jim Keane from Castlemaine, came along and informed them that they were on their way. They went into a couple of places in Castlemaine, but they didn't live very long there. And they started off for Kilalden. And they were going along here anywhere, but they were bunched. Anyway, and they waited for some time until they got back here just where they were facing the cottage anyway. And they, they opened fire on them. And on the first volley, most of them were put out of action anyway. A couple of them held down for a bit, but 
for Captain Sharp. Now we're walking up to the point where... Oh yes, to Hefferman's farmhouse. Opposite where most of the action was, because at that time they were all they were all nearly cycling together. They didn't. It wasn't the same formation that they had going in the morning at all. They were very bunched up, and they seemed to be very merry, merry as they went along. And it started right here, anyway. It only lasted roughly. <coughs> <coughs> Not more than 10 minutes. This is a roughly about 300 yards now from the cross. Yeah. On the Kilorgland side. Oh, yeah. Just an ordinary road, boring as we call it, you know. At this point. At this point. But it was all along here, and just along here now is. This is where Johnny Miles was wounded. Whose house is this now, Dan? Heffernan's. Yes. Heffernan's farmhouse. Jerry Miles happened to be there, and a black and tan got in here and got around, and he shot Jerry Miles. And he was just taking him again when Dan Mulvinch spotted him and shot him dead. And Jerry Miles had to be taken all the way that evening to road and cross fields. He was taken up to O'Brien's in Dernafena. And he he was there, oh, it took him five or six weeks. He was very badly wounded. But he recovered. They got everything, they, everything the black and tans had, they took it. And uh, that's the only, Jerry Miles was the only casualty. He, he, he was badly wounded, all right. And what happened to the or, uh, to the black and tans that were on their bikes? Huh? Did they? Was there many of those shot? The black and tans. I think there was eight of them killed. A couple of them wounded, and a couple of them weren't badly wounded at all. But when the doctor came out, anyway, the doctor up the fellows that were there, and even and it was a remarkable thing. They never bought in that house. Heffernan's. Leaving the site of the ambush at Ballymacandy and travelling back to Tralee to Ballymullen Barracks, where the auxiliaries were stationed since they arrived in Tralee in December 1920, Dan talks about the IRA burning part of the barracks before the Free State soldiers arrived at the outbreak of the Civil War. Back in Tralee again. And back in Tralee. And we're here at Ballymullen Barracks. Barracks. Can you yeah. describe it as it was then, Dan? At the, at the old time there, which we're quite near now, the officers' quarters. And uh, there was a whole lot uh, of... The whole lot was built up then into units where all the soldiers were based. Big, long units. Maybe there'd be 20 and 30 in each one of them all along. And then you had some merit quarters for for others which just they were just only places you know but uh, in, during the civil war when the free state army arrived in Tralee the most of the barracks um, nearly all of it 
happen to be burned down. The only place now, there are a few places standing like the officers' quarters and a few more places that escaped the blaze. Finally, Dan talks about other ambushes that took place in County Kerry during the War of Independence, starting with Castle Island in July the 10th, 1921. Next big one then was in Castle Island. That was the night, the night before the truce. And it, it was a total disaster. Why is that? <coughs> Well, while there was a number of black and tans killed, there was four IRA men killed that who had given great service at the time. And uh, there was very mixed feelings about it by people after, you know, that it shouldn't have taken place. But Jack Flynn, John McMahon, Dick Prindable, uh, Jack Prindable and, and D- Dennis Shannon were killed in it. Four men were killed in Castle Only just 12 hours or less before the truce. The same thing happened in Hedford Junction. They had, um, they had the, the last remnant were holding out when there was a train came in with another hundred soldiers and before they knew they were, they were on top of them and there was two men killed in the Hedford Junction the commons of the IRA uh, unit Danny Allman uh, was killed and um, Jim Bailey from Ballymichelis was also killed in Dambush when Dambush was over and when they reassembled the following day they had only three rounds of ammunition left Per man. My goodness. Yeah. And the uh, first really big ambush occurred in this bowl. But uh, as far as the, it turned out to be a disaster. Because the black and tans knew what they were there and they were able to come in behind them. And there was, while there was a large number of black and tans killed all right, there was also there was three IRA men killed there. That, that ambush look was a, as a, as a, was a disgrace. That's all about it. John Scandal was born in 1904 in Calmdove, near Onnescall. And during the War of Independence, John was a runner for the local IRA. And on March 1921, a group of up to 30 IRA men were attacked by the Black and Tan forces in the village of Lispole not far from where John Scannell's family's farm was. And listen to me, I had things after which was through. John explains in this clip that a neighbour of his told him an informer leaked information to the district inspector in Dingle that the IRA in Lisbon had been planning an ambush on the black and tans who used to pass through the village every Sunday on patrol. The DIA in Dingle at the time he was the, the district inspector, the DA, he was called. He was in sympathy with Irish. And was proved after. And listen to me, he had information, he gave it out after. He had information that they were there that Saturday night. And uh, he went up to the hospital, near the hospital, with a spyglass the following day, 
see what they're there and they were. And he went up again Tuesday and they were there. And he went up again Wednesday and they were there. And what could he do on his send out his men? Uh, me, his men didn't want to do any harm because I'll tell you why one of them went over in John Larry's field with a machine gun and to that the slate he was firing. They were inside in the school, the old school, you know. Mm-hmm. And to that the slate he was firing. And they came out the door and into a glen. The glen was only about 20 feet from them. And they had covered them. There was no fear of In 2002, I recorded Una Keane with John Scannell. They were both in a nursing home. And here they recall those days when Una's husband, Jim, was with John and they were both members of the IRA together. Well, my husband now would know all this with John. Ah. My Jim would know all of this with you. Because he was in the in the IRA. He would have called. Remember the time they used to go into the lake? Yeah, yes, we were all in the IRA, but we we were two. I I remember uh, there was a a neighbour of... uh, yeah, he was a consul man anyway. He had to do go to the section commander. And you know what it is, say to us what a uh, one time those dogs of the long road and the pups of the gutter. <laughs> we were the pups, you see. <laughs> and we had to do everything in the line of cannon guns here and cannon them there and <laughs> cannon them. <laughs> yeah, but he had to dug out in by the lake and oh there can. was there was a cave there there was and just inside there yeah they could five or six men going to that cave to so big they and it was as dry as I used to hear Jim talking about that yeah, now he did was that up in Crown Jewels Jim was up to the side but yeah. Jim was Sean's age now do you see oh yes so he Jim was up to because we were going there with days yeah cleaning them rifles you know yeah. and eyeing them you know. Yeah, because he used to talk, Jim used yeah. to talk about this, you mm. see, about the dugouts, he used to call them. So, was it great fun, John? Did you, en- did you enjoy the, the, the soldiering and the, yeah, the, I got, yeah, the, and was, the cleaning the guns? Yeah, yeah, it was kind of exciting at the time, you know, like, and yeah, it was. They were but young. And, uh, we were, I suppose, we, we liked it. And were you were you very bitter against the English at the time? Like, uh, were you bitter? That, I wasn't. There was no one bitter against them. Mm-hmm. That's the point about it. God Almighty, listen here to me. There were some of them that hardly shoot the black and tans at all. Do you know they might mm-hmm. fire at their legs? Or do you know? There was no hatred until the Civil War. That's when the hatred started. That was because oh, there was God brother against my... brothers. They were yeah. against each other. You know. Mm-hmm. All the boys that were in the in our own army, they fought against each other. So John recalls that fateful day in March 1921 when the Black and Tans set up a surprise attack on the schoolhouse in the village, where thirty IRA men were waiting to ambush the Black and Tans who had been passing through their village on a regular basis in a Crosley tender. For a start, anyway, the black and tans, they used to patrol with their lorry, and they'd go regular every Sunday, and they'd go as far as maybe uh, camp or near camp, and on their way back, they'd fire a few shots in there, passing through on a skull. And uh, 
They ran in, went back anywhere one Saturday night and took up push positions. There was such a place in this ball, it was the old school, and that's where they But the black and tans never came that Sunday. And uh, what I call, uh, they should have known it. But uh, I remember a neighbour of mine saying, he was small Mick, his name, real name was Kennedy. And when he heard about that they didn't come, he said that because they had information. And uh, they had, because, uh, uh, because they stayed there then until Wednesday. And Wednesday the black and tans came out. And one of them went over, uh, you don't know the place, Deer Park, with a loose gun, and he he planted the loose gun there in the field, and he started blazing at the school. Uh, but at the, the roof, he was firing. You see, and there was, and these, uh, they were inside in the school, there was men inside in the school, you know, and they came out, there was a glen near them, there was a glen about uh, 20 feet from them, and you see, they jumped into the glen. They were safe then when they were in the glen. I know they had oh, yeah. cover. But anywhere, they were out of the glen anywhere when, uh, uh, whatever way, Tomas got hit. Do you know? And uh, there were talks and argument at the time that just uh, so a gun went off on one of his own comrades. Do you know? We don't know. That'll never be known. But... Uh, he died anyway. He was caretakers, and he lived until about twelve o'clock that night. He died that night in a house in in Acres, in inside in Connell's house, and uh, there was an, there was two more more wounded. There was Jimmy Daly from Castle Gregory, and he had only a slight wound on the shoulder, and he was in the man I told to small Mick. He was carried up to his house because it was near a glen, do you see? And it was my father that made a, a, a stretcher out of a ladder, an old, old ladder on the side of the ladder. He made the stretcher and he was on the kitchen floor and two feather ticks under him, do you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, 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 Dr. Kane was coming to him. And there was a nurse as well. There was a nurse here at the time. She was coming. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was there on the shoulder and the lung or anything wasn't, uh, you know, like. Yeah. And uh, we had to carry him. Uh, we had to show them down to Ownerskull Station. Do you see? And he was put in a bogey. Do you know the bogey? They were by the, 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 the navvies for carrying the tools. Oh, he yes. was put in a bogey, yeah. and we had to push that bogey to camp. Not all the way to camp, but to Skirloch. And there, there, there we were met by a pony in car, and he was carried back to O'Donnell's England in Ossig. And till there, he, he, he got all right. And there was another one, he was a Tuleman, Tommy Harley, and he was an ex-British soldier. He had a wound in the head. Mm-hmm. And he was carried up to, to 
to the other side of the lake to Balna Hunt after Dambashuna and he was carrying a bogey as well and he lived about a month but he died. Mm-hmm. He died in O'Donnell's in Glintinasig. We've come to the end of this week's podcast, Ambushing the Black and Tans in Kerry. And this podcast was to commemorate the ambush in Lisbon that took place on the 21st of March, 100 years ago, and the Ballymacandy ambush that took place on the 1st of June, 100 years ago. If you would like to listen to the full interviews with Dan Keating and John Scannell, you can do so by visiting our website, that's www.irishlifeandlore.com. And now for something completely different for next week's podcast. And of course, I didn't know where I was going. But that time, all the clippies, do you know what a clippy was? No. Clippy were the women who were the conductresses in the, in the buses. And they were all Irish, of course, in that time. And they'd put me from one bus to another. I'd come in, at that time, you never went anywhere without wearing your collar and the latter, of course. They, brought, they never took a penny from me in all my journeys. Part one of a two-part podcast on the life story of Bishop Eamon Casey. My name is Maurice O'Keefe, and I look forward to bringing you that podcast next week. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.